Come <laughs> turn that one out. That, Some real white babies. The, the, the real reason we got no sound right now, because I was trying to tell you, but I got boo-boo. On, there you go. <laughs> I got boo-boo on the sounds because my boy Chris is out of town. It's his son's birthday. Happy birthday to his son. So, uh, yeah, we're having, our, we're having a little thing over here. So let me get back to... But we're getting back to, uh, before I get started, I missed a couple of super chats uh, on the last podcast we did. And I want to give him a shout out. Evelyn925 from Livermore, California. Thank you for those super chats. I'm sorry I missed them. Sometimes they go very quick. So shout out to you. Uh, also, shout out to uh, Bernie. Happy birthday to Bernie. He turned 66 two days ago. He's out of San Francisco, carnal. He's out there barbecuing today with his family. He's supposed to go to work at midnight. So shout out to you. But now that's all said and done. I'm going to introduce you to my guest here, Mr. Frank Lewis. What's up, Playboy? Man, happy birthday, Bernie. There you go. <laughs> there good. you go. We got a, a super... <laughs> there you go. We, we got a super wide baby in the house. You can switch the cameras to him if you want, Mr. Hey, hey. All right. First of all, you, you got that Rams gear on, Playboy. Man, Inglewood. Inglewood. Chargers and Rams. There you go. So um, I saw you... Well, after you and I spoke, you, you know, I get a lot of requests for people to want to do interviews, obviously, right? So I was like, all right, well, let's see and then you you told me check out Dusty Vision's thing. And that was a that was a damn good podcast. Man, shout out to Dusty Vision. What's but that? but the one who actually made this happen, believe it or not, a guy that I don't know personally like that, but I, you know, I, I take his word. That's that's the homie Batman, man. The homie Batman, you told me to get at Batman. He knows you. You guys were busting in YA together. And Batman said, Yeah, man, that's a cool cat, homeboy. So thanks for coming on our platform, brother. It's my my honor. That's right. So let's get right into it, man. Most definitely. Your, your thing is, man. And we'll, we'll, we'll get just a little bit in the front right now. You have a very high-profile case back in, what year was that? 1994. And what was that case? Uh, two attempted murders and a carjacking. And uh, where was that? Hollywood, California. It, it was on at Sunset Strip. It was on the, the House of Blues, right? Yeah. And how old were you at the time? 14 years old. 14 years old. And uh, what happened to the victim? One was left quadriplegic. That's paralyzed from the neck down, unable to move any limbs. Um, the passenger, she just received like a flesh wound because it right. went through the driver's neck right, and into the passenger's leg. So one bullet hit both of them. Um, I didn't get in what I, what I intended to get. I didn't get because I was trying to rob him and I left empty handed. So I basically did it for nothing. And how many years did you end up doing all together in way? 10 years and nine months on that with a two month violation. Wow. Wow. All right. So now let's, Let's uh let's rewind it real quick. Where were you actually born and raised? Inglewood. In the world. Always up to no good. Sendella Hospital, December 11, 1979, 2.45 a.m. All right. So how, how was your childhood in Inglewood? Or did you grow up in Inglewood after you were born there? No. Actually, my grandmother was there in Inglewood, but my family was on the east side on uh, San Pedro and Avalon is the first, the yeah. earliest I can yeah. remember. I know we've been other places like Saturn, but my, my memory there is, but when we were on San Pedro, that's where I have the best memory from. In, in San Pedro, what city was that again? I'm sorry. It's in Los Angeles, South Central, the East Side, San Pedro, and 118th, 1180s Coast Hood. Okay, so you, you grew up there as a, as a kid, so what age? This is six, seven, eight, nine, and now keep in mind, as I've heard, I've stayed up. You can ask my old lady till five in the morning watching all your shows. <laughs> you know, the Crips are bullies. Oh, man. And, and this is one of the first structured Crip gangs, 11-8 East Coast. Right. So 
my mama to tell you that's what I brought her here for because my story is so unbelievable. I have to have a co-signer. Even though mama will lie anything. I ain't seen him kill him, but she saw me, shot him, and took the gun and hit it. And she going <laughs> to lie for me, but we keep it real over here. But it was very violent because right where I go to school at, 118th Street Elementary, we actually do our basketball practices and things of that nature at Athens Park Gym and the Athens Park Bloods which is one of the first bloods in Los Angeles, the Athens Park Boys, that's their territory. So growing up, my mom walking me to school, our last straw, what got us up out of there, it's tiptoe from East Coast getting killed in front of the school as we coming out. And the way gangbanging was in these days, like the Athens Park Bloods knew that on 118th place, there was an East Coast headquarters. They didn't know it was next door to me and my mom. But they knew somewhere on that street it was there. So what they did is one car went this way and one car went that way. And they just shot every house up on the whole oh, shit. My mama and daddy, because I was my book is called Frank Antoine Lewis, The Journey of Domestic Violence. I'm a product of domestic violence. So they was just fighting. I'll never forget it. And based on her anger, only her can make my daddy miss a Laker game. So instead of being in his favorite spot, where he would be watching A.C. Green, Magic Johnson, Kareem, and them get out. <laughs> Showtime. He in the room, mad, up in the fucking, like an earthquake. Shit. Mama come running in there, me and my little sister, scared. And this is what I seen growing up. And you had pretty much two choices at the time, because we talking about, I was born in 79, so we like in 85, 84, there and crash was just becoming established. So they had alternative programs. And one thing that I learned even through my whole CYA career is if you pay attention and observe the information and relate it to you, most people would go through one ear and out the other ear. But the more you listen and learn, the better you become. So those kids had two options there be a police officer, firefighter, and be all you can be, like Whitney Houston would say, are you going to gangbang? That was like our two options, 85, living in this environment that's dictated by the gangs. So, of course, from East Coast Crip, I stay on 118th and San Pedro in the Anthony Park, shot my house up and could have killed my daddy if he'd have been sitting in his chair if they wasn't on that bullshit domestic violence. But like I said, the last straw happened in this period. Let me give it to you. Chinaman from East Coast got killed on our porch. And low key, annoying to me at this time, my mom and dad was closet smokers. So they were smoking crack and we had no idea, me and my sister, that it was starting. And that's when crack was just barely coming. Into yeah, the city, it was right? it was hitting the streets. Everybody, even some of our big homies that we don't want to admit back then was tooting and booting. But it was happening. I had no idea, though. But that's why the East Coast is continuously was coming to our house. Me now being a blood, I've talked to Anthony Sparks who were participating in this. They was watching us. Sitting in little old lady cars dressed like old ladies. Oh, shit. Yeah, they got some real serious homies over there. And they would watch the block. And all they see is them come and bring my mom and daddy dope all the time. Like, there's something going on over here. And this is... 
founders like James Otis is one of the people that used to run with Raymond Washington and them. That was my mama, like best friend, big old the bullies. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what I got to see is, because this is what it, it was, and I want to explain this. I've got a lot of things because I watched you and Alex Alonzo. Go back and forth and have our discussions. Oh, man. <laughs> I've been trying so hard to get on street gangs. I'm like, I am street gangs. You All feel right, me? Well, Inglewood. Let's do it. So once the beef started and Chinaman got killed first, then they killed Snowman. This is, we seen these people, like the yellow tape, the old school ass corner van. Like, I remember it like it was yesterday. My curse and my blessing is I remember everything. So my bedroom is right here. The East Coast's bedroom is over here. My first trauma ever in my life. Because this is where it go back to when you go to Y and they break down your contributing factors. What yeah. sent you here when you got to learn empathy, empathy, remorse, <laughs> minimizing, justification. All right. So it started with a pound puppy that my grandmama, my mother's mother, my maternal grandmother, gave me this pound puppy, patches. Brown, coffee brown with dark brown patches. Well, my auntie who got me into wanting to be into the police and things like that. Cause she was always with the guns and stuff like that. She wanted to be white. She had a boyfriend that worked at, what was that mama? The racetrack, Santa Anita racetrack. He was security, had the, the dirty Harry. Right. So that's what my first, now my father also, he had a carbine. I, they, he taught me how to be armed. Cause my father was a lot older than my mother was. He comes from the South, Sweetport, Louisiana. So he knew what segregation and racism was. Now, I have uncles that are not my blood uncles, but he came here with these uncles. So no matter what anybody could say, their kids are my cousins and them are my uncles. So one went to the Nickerson Gardens, my uncle Lawrence. My uncle Mark went to the jungles. And my daddy was actually in the jungles. That's where he got shot in the back of the head and went to prison where he was with Raymond Washington and them dudes in Folsom. So... My father already at a young age knew he, he was the not gangbanger. He was a pimp. And this was before I was born. And the reason why I believe I'm here right now and I want this hit a million views. You feel me? I still ain't seen one on none of these platforms I've been watching except for Vlad. But I think God doesn't, the, the devil didn't want my story to come out because it started with my mom and my dad, the complexity of the relationship, first of all, with the age difference. But in order for me to come, they would have had to connect. So he made it illegal. You feel you're too old for that little girl. But yet it happened. And it happened because my father was trying to manipulate my mother, the pretty Puerto Rican girl with the Florence connections to get on the track and help him get cocaine from her folks who had great abundance of this cocaine. So now, her first time on the track, she picked up a guy in a car that we refer to like the police car, them narks, them like Chevy Caprice type of vehicles, took her up in the hills. She used to tell me this story when I first started gangbanging, like 10, 11 years old, like, you know, trying to do the scare straight program type shit. And she always told me this story, and this is how I know it was real when we seen the person watching the documentary after I got out of Hawaii. 
and had knowledge of who this person was from my extensive knowledge of studying all them damn 10 and a half years reading. But the Hillside Strangler picked my mama up, took her in the hills, and told her if his partner was there. If I'm getting anything wrong, mama, let me know. But I know I'm sharp. But the partner, who I know now was his cousin, he really did have a partner. Like, I thought when she was telling me this, oh, this dude was schizophrenic like me. You feel me? Talking right. to one dude here and one dude here. But no, he did have a partner. So my mama was blessed enough to survive that. Then there was the grim sleeper killer who molested my mother at a young age because he was old like my father and my father. They was mechanics. They worked he together. Was, he was at a South Central, right? Yeah. A-Track Gangsters. But he had folks in where my mom grew up at at that time, like in the 20s, Adams somewhere in, on that side, Normandy, where the 20 Bloods is now. So- Terrible growing up on 118th. Let's move. After they killed Tiptoe in front of us at the school. And my mama was there. My little sister is like five. I'm like seven. Athens Park. Bloods did it. Like they stopped to tell all the kids, don't gang bang. I'm like, what the hell is this <laughs> like, dude like doing? The Jerry Curl, Red Flag, the... Don't gangbang if y'all don't want to end up like him. And mama, the nigga brains is blown out. Oh, Tiptoe. He used to get us ice cream. This was one of their moneymakers. This was crack was he. My mama to get him at $1,000, my little game system and all that. And he gone. And we got up out of there. Straight to 52nd and McKinley. Vitals, Bloodstone, Villain. So now I'm going from one of the oldest crip hood to one of the oldest blood hoods. And, um... It started really getting bad. We started noticing TV was pine. And I used to go to work with my father. That's why I brought my son here with me today so he could see this is what I do because I don't got custody part-time or type of thing. And he's being fed a lot of information wrongly about my character where his grandmother tell him I'm a killer and gang banger. I'm a gang member, son. <laughs> from Inglewood. And I've done all this so you don't have to. But. The villains introduced me to a different type of like when I lived in East Coast hood. Oh, oh, let me not get off track. Patches. The East Coast has ate up my dog, my grandmama gang. What do you mean ate up your dog? The dog, they pet the wolves. Yeah, they would, they would do that. My mama, my witness, my first time crying. Oh, shit. My, no, that was my second time crying. Right. When I told my daddy I had a crush on Jasmine Guy on Different World and she was messing with Dwayne Wade and it made me cry. <laughs> he called me a little punk. That was the first time I cried. But when them dogs ate, and I blame the East Coasters for it, I really believe that's the reason why I didn't join. I claimed it. Right. But when uh, uh, A-Ball, the little bad kid in the elementary school, said, lunchtime, y'all come get punched on behind this thing. Uh-uh, my daddy would kill me. So I, I was the wannabe. Oh, East Coast, East Coast, East Coast. But moving over there, I noticed, like, keep in mind, I thought Athens Park, was everybody at War Red. So I didn't know that was Bloodstone Villain over there. To me, in my mind, I'm with the Anthony Sparks now. Right. So I'm still leery of them. They killed Chinaman, Snowman. I tell them I'm from East Coast, it's going to be problems. Right. Now, what my mom didn't know, where she messed up at, and any mothers out there right now, this could be, it's not as bad as it was then with the gangs being born in schools because social media is everywhere, and that's where it's really coming from now. But then it was the schools and my mom didn't know no better. Like, I'm going to let him stay over here in the blood. We're going to stay at his school over here in the Crips 
because that's where he went. We don't want to uproot him and send him over here. So I'm still over here being brainwashed by these dudes and filled with the hate for the athletes. But, oh, you know, they killed him now. And they came over here and did this. Like, oh. And man. you're a kid at this time. I'm eight years oh, old. Shit. Okay. Eight. <laughs> and, and, and you reflect thousands of kids just like you. Oh, yeah. I'm not nobody's. The only reason why I'm unique is that I shot two white women. Most of the kids I did white time with shot another brother, yeah. a Latino. Yeah. That's what makes my story different and sets me apart. I'm not trying to, hey, I'm big for that. I'm ashamed of what I did. I'm sorry to the victims, but it is what it is. I did some stupid shit and a lot of people want to know about it because it affected them. So villains start getting crazy and my mom and dad start fighting. Wake up to screaming, beating. Now, how, how often was, was your mom and dad fighting, let's say, a week? And how physical did it really get? I seen my daddy put a shotgun to her head and then point the shotgun at us and say, if she don't get it right, I'm going to kill her and then kill y'all. That would probably be the worst one. But then I seen it again, though, with a nigga with a knife. <laughs> we go get there, though, because it got so bad, we mom started to run. She said, we can't do this. And my pops was like how I am today. He's like um, a stalker. You know, you're not going to get away from me. Like my baby just had a birthday May 9th. And I went to the house to go pick her up, like the court order said, for my birthday. Nobody was there, but I found my baby. That's how my daddy was. They didn't tell me where they was going to be, but logically, women, they're predictable. So I went, celebrated my birthday with my baby, but nonetheless... Moms did all she could to separate herself. And it brought us to my grandmother in Inglewood. And that's what led to my mom taking my dad's car, which should have been hers, though. Don't get it twisted, mama. I got your back on this because all you didn't put in and gave that man and kids. You got a car, he got a car. But he came tripping over the car with his shotgun that he let it pull out. Now, let's keep in mind the shotgun didn't work, it was broke. I'm eight years old. I know this. So I know this grown man. My daddy know this. So he comes running with the shotgun, banging on the door. I'm going to kill you. Kill everybody. My thea calls the police. Um, Inglewood's very small. They was there seconds. I could look from my balcony and see the police station. So my pops come, like, let's say the apartment building is here. My pops pulled up right here in the back in the alley. Police get the call 620 South Fur. So they pull up on 620 South Fur, not the alley. My apartment lo was located in the rear of the apartment building. My father could have got away. He could have just easily ran to his little GT and whoop, but he ran to the policeman. I already knew because my pops always used to tell my mama, call the police, call him, see what's going to happen. So I'm knowing I got to get to this man. And does this happen while usually they're high as fuck? Who, uh, my the, mom's the and dad's? Yeah, or just um, any random time. It could be random because my father was very ashamed that he fell victim to it. Okay. Now he, he to probably right now to this day, he's probably looking at me for the great. You know, he said, I'm having a smoker. <sighs> that pride. Right. That ego. Like, no, not me. And I remember right before that, he um came and seen me. He was cleaned up. His beard was cut. Like, damn, you looking good. Because we seen the... Like, for example, the last time I seen my father before he came back looking good, me and my mom was going to his house. And it was a Laker game. So she didn't want me to come, but 
But I was like, it's a Laker game. Mom, I had a ritual. When the Lakers were playing, my dad would watch. I would set up, I'd get a, a hanger, make a little basket, put it on the door right there, add a little ball, and I'm, I'm AC Green. That was my dude. I swear. I was like, I can't be Magic or Kareem. I'm not tall enough, not big enough. This weird dude don't look like somebody I could possibly be. So I looked up to AC Green. And I swear to God, I remember this shit. So I talked to her into let me go stay. Let me go. I want to see my daddy. You feel me? Yeah, he whooped your ass last time I seen you. All right, all right, but I don't care about that. I love him. So we go, and there was a car parked behind his car. I'm like, who the hell is that? So mom's opened the door, and it's the white lady from the job. My dad used to take me to work with him. Like, I take my son to work with me to show me what responsibility and accountability and morals and values was about. And here he is with the manager lady. And then when my mama went to go attack the white lady, he attacked my mama. And I told him, I wish my daddy was AC Green. I'll never forget that. Then we shake. Now, there's a very important point here, and that's for the celebrities that's one day going to see this. Remember that. I wish my daddy was AC Green. I'm from Inglewood. I had a godmother, my mama's best friend, Liz. She worked for the Kings. And Liz got me to come. She got some Laker tickets because the Kings and the Lakers, they both played at the forum. They was associated with each other. And who goes and see A.C. Green? Keep in mind, you got Magic Johnson, Byron Scott, A.C. Green, James Worthy, all these dudes. And I try to get an autograph from the one dude that ain't nobody paying attention to. <laughs> and he's like, kid, I don't do that. What? So A.C. Green, if you hear me right now, bro, you made me want to be like Tukey Williams. Oh, shit. So I'm like, Okay. I bet you if I went over there with them Athens Parks or run with the East Coasts, it's going to be different. Now, keep in mind, eight years old, nine years old, I knew what you know. The Crips are bullies. Because when I stayed in the East Coasts, when they get drunk and have fun, they beating up on people. When I stayed with the Bloods, when they get drunk and have fun, they got the red rag girls bumping and grinding. I'm like, hold on. I would like to do this to play body and slap boxing and discipline. Let's fight just to see who has the best hands. No. But then there's my father saying, as a black man from the South, where they hung us, water host us, Jim Crow us, Willie Lynch us. That goes against our principles. So blood and crip seemed like a bad decision. But yeah, look at the example that you set for me. So all the fathers out there watching, bro, you got to bring your son to work. You got to hold yourself accountable for him to be able to hold his self accountable. And Pops fell short of that. Not that it was his fault. I see that now after years in the youth authority and being brainwashed. Sometimes it's hard. And, you know, like I said, I don't got custody of my babies, but I'm fighting hard. And I ain't going to stop. Like if I was gang banging, I'd do this father shit thing like that. But Pops fell short, knocking on that door. I tried to run and save him, and the police blew his chest out with a shotgun. That worked. 
playing with guns. Uh, how old were you at this time? 10. March the 10th, 1990. So, so your dad went out there with the shotgun. Obviously, didn't put it down. And they, oh, he pointed at him. I'm not going to lie. They tried to tell me, lie. Like, he didn't do it. I don't know. He pointed. As soon as it went up, that man was good. I swear he went from one hand and all I seen. Father fell back and that was it. He was a warrior, though. He died 57 minutes later. Shotgun from here where Boo Boo at. Right. In 57 minutes, he lasts. How, how, how old were you at this time? 10. Oh, Jesus. 10 years old. But keep in mind, my mama and daddy was fighting, and he came looking for that car. My mama wasn't there. That's the first thing that I'm seeing this, so I try to run to aid my father. Shotgun in my face. Back up. Back the fuck up. I'm 10 years old, and you just shot my father. What the fuck? Oh, fuck. Now, that was before A.C. Green. That made me not want to be a cop no more. Because my Thea, Evelyn, made me want to be a police officer. The Dirty Harry and all these stories of bad guys getting busted. Then that went astray with that. Then A.C. Green messed me up. So then I wanted to be like Tukey Williams because of the love that I got in the East Coast. And trying to be loyal to what I had over there. But Inglewood at this time was blood central. Like, there was some up-and-coming crews that turned Crip in my tenure. And this is when I moved there. So I seen these gangs become established. Like, well, we Crips now. We're not hustlers no more, our crew. But at the time, you had, like, Inglewood Family, which is the start. It was originally the Inglewood Chain Gang. And it's a lot of debate about when the Crips started, when the blood started. And I see Kev Mack, my other homie that I want to try to get on his show one day, he believed blood started in 78 and he just don't understand. Like the recognition wasn't known by it's like, cause he goes off of, there's no article saying blood. Like I see Anthus park, but it say Anthus park boys, but see, you got to look at it. There wasn't no social media. Then the feds need to find a snitch and snitching was so off limit at that time that they didn't know we was bloods. Right. They didn't know we met up in YTS with King Baba Louie. And, and the big homie, uh, DeRoe and them from Bonnie Hunters. And like, we bloods. This started in 73, 74 in TS. And then homies start getting out and going to different sections and Push bringing it. So now you trying to like, and I got no, I, bring me on your show, Kevin Mack, and I'll tell you to your <laughs> face. You feel me? I know we enemigos, but I don't play the game banging thing no more. You see, I got my blue on. But it started division amongst our big homies on his show. Because you got... The big homie Elgin that started Brim. You got the big homie Jimmy Lavender that started the Bishops. Then you got the big homie out of uh, uh, Giacomo, out of Bompton, the Capanellas. No disrespect to the Compton homies, but you know that's where the homie from, Bompton. And Giacomo know the real. Blood, we was bloods in 72. <laughs> <laughs> and they looking at him like he's stupid. Right. Like, well, Giacomo was connected before y'all was because his real peoples that was gangsters was pushing this in TS. And y'all just didn't know because you was at Washington playing pimp, big homie. Y'all was at school playing football, learning karate. That's why these fools are banging in TS. They not knowing. So I'm going to go on the record as the first one saying that blood started in 72. Not first one. Giacomo was the one pushing it. But no disrespect to the other big homies. 
y'all riding y'all own way, but it's the Crips. Not you, Kev Mac, but there's always division because if we united, then they'd win. All right, so let's get back on track here with this. You're you're 10 years old. You see your father get killed in front of you by the cops. How do you get from that to when you're four years later catching an attempted murder or, or actually doing the crime? After Tukey Williams wanted to be like Tukey Williams, we moved. Like I say, my mom ran to Inglewood. And the blood sucked me in. Remember, I wanted to be a little East Coast Crip. Right. So now I wanted to be from Tukey Williams to being like T. Rogers in the blood. Living in Inglewood, I started gangbanging at 10 already, going through crews. Like, the neighborhood that I'm from now started as a crew. We was the money side hustlers. Okay. My mama husband was Crenshaw Mafia. So they wouldn't let me go over there, but that's what I wanted to be. Like, I looked at all the Inglewood gangs, and I say... Crenshaw Mafias was, that's what I wanted to be. Like, I could do that because they weren't like, they was like Crips and Bloods. <laughs> like, these dudes are active and they will be bullies if they need to be, but yet they got that love and we can party and jig with whoever we wanted. But since they wouldn't let me do that, I got sucked in with the money side hustles, which happened to be majority undercover Crips. And for those that don't know what an undercover Crip is, is like I said, we in Eaglewood and Bloods. So telling the you didn't want to be found out that you were cripping. So they started claiming money side hustles. Like, we green rag, homie. We ain't crip. We ain't blessed. And I gravitated to that because that was kind of like what my daddy was talking about. We not killing each other. All, all, when I first started, there was no enemies. It's I brought all the enemies pretty much. And that was because of the anger towards my father. In those four years, I went through starting to smoke weed at 10. Um, starting to drink at 11, Sherm at 12, murder at 13. So, and in that process, first time going to jail, first time going to jail, I got my criminal record back there somewhere. Chris and DJ, Joey riding. I was 11 years old, first time I got locked up. Stolen car. Two older dudes at junior high come get me from elementary. Hey, Javier. School police see me get in the car. Like, no, all of us. Like, what the hell? Beep. We try to jump out run. That was my first time. And it just, it went like, I'm going to show you all film, my record. You can see the progression. When they came to the home, it says uh, negligence. Well, they knew I was going to be crazy because they you could see it. Yeah. And so after killing somebody. And the first time was somebody to try to rob my mom. Now, see, my mom is more known as Latino. She was from Florence. Like, there was this mural. She used to always tell me this when we ride on the bus. It said, Florencia 13, the feds finally took it down. But that was there. She painted it. And what year was that, mama? 1972. And she painted it? Her. And now, see, keep in mind this bird, dude. That was her first boyfriend before my pops. So now I get in the system. I end up shooting my victim after I got out of camp. So I go to camp in 93 for a gun. I get out. I did like three months. Now, my mama was always at court. 
crying, please, y'all. She had game. So I was on top of the fact that I was the light-skinned. I'm so sorry, but my dad got killed by you guys. They gave me too many passes. I'm going to be honest about that. They should have, at a younger age, probably gave me a longer camp program. Right. But I believe insanity was applicable in my case based on I had no counseling. I witnessed my father killed. That's PTSD right there in itself, which is a psychological uh, evaluation and mental disqualification where you shouldn't be tried. But that's what led to everything that from them dogs eating my damn pound puppy to AC Green. I, I remember so much that it just filled me with hurt, rage, low self-esteem. Like, oh, I'm going to show you motherfuckers. And every time I try to do right and I get slapped and slapped and slapped down and only being 10, 11, 12 and not having the mental competition to understand what was going on with the manipulation and the, let me do this and did him to do that. So I ended up in 94 after being in camp for a gun with an older homie. And um, now before I get to this part of the story, I got to put a disclaimer out there. Anything that I say right now that gets me hurt <laughs> is on me. There's nothing here from no American cholo ain't making me say nothing. I'm from Inglewood and I keep it real all the time. And y'all that know me know I'm not scared of nothing. But I'm gonna keep it real with y'all. And this this also goes to show you how hard y'all host is and why I'm proud to be giving him this story first, full and in detail. Y'all gonna see this in a movie. If y'all thought pursuit of happiness was good, the pursuit of trying to make these kids college scholars is gonna be better. But um I got involved in, like we said in the beginning, a high-profile crime. And the gun that committed this crime was really dirty. Now, right now, I want to say I want to take accountability for this gun because I stole the gun and brought it to the hood. When I was in placement and I was in Mid Valley, no, I was in Pride House Youth Center in Sherman Oaks, little white boy. Hated his father. Hey, my dad is fucking arsenal, man. You want to come help me get some of these guns? And one of those guns cost many people their lives. Lisa LaPierre, Mr. Dunbar, a Thurman Brown. I want to say rest in peace to y'all. And, um, well, I shot this woman. Went into hiding. How it went down with an older homie who's locked up right now on death row. And, how it seems, according to L.A. Times, uh, uh, the prosecutor office, is that he was what they call one of those people that was a predator. Like He tried to tar take little kids and make us do his crime. I'm on the record right now as saying that wasn't so. It was actually just people who didn't like him because he had the ladies and he was like, a real fly type of dude. But I went to jail for stabbing somebody in 94 after I shot this woman. Okay. So me and him are together, go to Hollywood. Um, He actually wanted to leave. It was 2.49 in the morning, like when I was born. Oh, you were 14. How old was he at the time? 24. Okay. So he like, I'm ready to crash. My baby mama tripping. I don't got no baby mama. I don't got nowhere to stay. My mama was actually, was she in a pen? Was my mama 
of prison. No, she got out of prison in 93. So she was home. My mama just got out of prison on parole in the halfway house in the enemies. So I'm like, oh, man, I was really discouraged at the time and didn't care. So I, I persuaded him to continue to go do what we was doing. And we seen these two white ladies. Now, he had a phone. This is 1994. Only other person I knew had a phone was Dr. Dre. Yeah, pretty <laughs> He got a phone. She got a phone. If I take her phone, I'll have a phone. Big homie, I know you want to go home and you faded, but let me get that. All right, that's what you want to do. He pulls over. I jump out the car. He run, I run, walk up to the car. 94, there wasn't automatic. You couldn't just push the button like I can in my car and the window just roll up. You got to hustle. <laughs> and this white woman see me coming. She started honking the horn at first. Beep, beep, beep. That kind of spooked me. I was like, man, I got about a hundred bucks. Why do I keep you? You know, it, it kind of did. So I like, maybe if she see the gun, she just stopped the damn honking. So I pointed the gun. And so she did stop honking. But then she started rolling up the window. So I'm like, I'm confused. Now, keep in mind, I'm intoxicated. We just smoked some Sherm that day, Cisco. And I'm a child. So I'm really out of my mind. So I'm like, I give up. I get ready to go. Like, you know, I'm finna go back to the car. And the gun went off. I, I seen it. And like I say, I committed murder before. But it was a gang member. A black person. Somebody that looked like me. This was somebody that could have been my mom, my sister, auntie. It really shook me, but I'm like trying to be the hardest gangster there is. So I can't let nobody see I'm shook. I was so shook. I actually ran the wrong way because I remember having to go back again and try not to look. Got to the car though and got out of there. As we was going back to, uh, to the, we was actually in a party in Hollywood. That's how I got the homie to go with me on that. I'm the one that actually talked him into going out that night too. Because keep it real, the week before that, the 4th of July, we had went out and Something happened. So he didn't really want to go out. Two weeks later, I got bored of where I was hiding at in Hartham. And um, I ended up back in the hood, seeing an enemy, stabbed him at the school, at the high school. I was trying to go to junior high to go talk to my little girlfriend, her right there. Junior high, she's still right here. <laughs> I was trying to go talk to her and run into him, stabbed him. That sent me to why. So now I'm about to be paroled. How many years? I did. Because, you know, that, everybody gets the, the initial. When I hit SRCC, you get the 18 months. Yeah, you Unless you got a full board, then they'll start you off with four. Even if you're in there for a murder, they're going to start you off full board four years. Right. So I got the 18 months. I didn't go in there like... uh I'm going to be the hardest dude no more. By now, I, I kind of like knew what I was and I was confident. I wanted to be a baller, a leader. So I eased through Nellis. How many fights in Nellis? Probably 12. And when I first got to Nellis, I got to Nellis in 95, the beginning. And the North Day started coming, I want to say 94, the end. So I was on the third bus. When they dropped them all, Batman and them landed on the first bus. And now, see, me, the only way I knew what Northanger was when we was in Silmar Central and LP, 
doing calisthenics, the jumping jack. One, two, three, thrusty. And then that fourth, you just knew the booze coming. And I'm like, why do y'all do that? And I right. never understood, like, what is the boom? Oh, homie, the 14 North. I'm like, oh, I didn't know nothing about that. I'm from Inglewood, homie. Oh, it's when you go to Y in the pen. I'm like, what if they came right here? Like, we got to get them, fool. I'm like, y'all don't know you? Like, hey, oh, that's just the regular. All right, dog. So when I seen Batman in there, I'm like, wow. Now, where I'm at, it was not very right. Remember, my mama, she Florence, so I had uncles that were Inglewood on their neck, like things that I knew, like this isn't the culture that I'm from. Right. Their get down isn't like my get down, but they gravitated towards me first for sympathy because they loved how my mom would go on the line for them. She was their girl. So that respect alone got me a long way. So when it came time to get to YA, I wasn't the, the and it wasn't as racial at the time because you didn't have 18th Street beefing with the Blackstones. You didn't have the Compton T-Flats and the Fruit Towns beefing yet. It, none of this was going on really. So it was more Florence 18, Florence MS. Vatos from, from San Diego going at it. Like they used to get it cracking. San Diego, the Orange County homies, F Troop and all them dudes. Like it was, that's how I know who don't get along with who. Logan don't like Sherman. Like because they was head up. You know what I'm saying? Like brown on brown. And black on black. Yeah. And then like, the first big issue I had, like, because when I got to YA, for some reason, I wasn't getting pressed like I thought I would have. Now, remember, I was money side hustling. Right. So now I get to Central, and this is a place that some people probably don't know because only very few went here. But, like, you know how what they got a saying, if you make it through the county jail, you can, you can make it through any penitentiary. Yeah. Well, if you can make it through KL in 92, 93, 94, you can make it anywhere. But Central Juvenile Hall, Killer Lane is what they called it, <laughs> Unit KL. I was underaged because they had, even at that time, most of the units, yeah, they all are. They're separated by age. But when you get HRO, which is high-risk offender, their places they could put you are sort of like become limited. So I ended up on Killer Lane. My mama cried because I used to always tell her, like starting off at CD, AB, right. like we don't want to be in an orange suit. Yeah. When she saw me in that pumpkin suit, my mama cried, baby, they going to send you away to prison. Now, see, when I did the stabbing, I didn't understand the, the, the problems that was beholding me because I'm a young dude and thought I knew everything, but didn't know that there was a law that changed. And now 14-year-olds were being tried as adults. I was 15 when I stabbed this dude because I got a camp for 16 days. And then at 16 days, I stabbed. That's why I don't even count those 16 days of me getting out because I got busted in 95, March. But I was only out since March the 1st and got busted March 15th after doing a six-month camp program from 94, right. right after I shot Lisa. So I go to jail for the stabbing rival. They parole me. I turned that 18 months into three years. Went to fire camp, got my life together. And this is what made the trip. And now, remember my mama painted that mural with a dude named Bird. Right. So I'm in Nellis. This whole time I'm hearing about this dude. You was in Y2. You probably heard about him. He's a staff member named Bird. 
but we call him Califani. Everybody calls him Califani. And he was like the street guy that like the staff, everybody worshiped. So one day I'm on Jackson Cottage, Califani work on Adams. Everyone knows who he is. He's like the gang coordinator now. Newman was retiring. So he comes to our unit one day. I'm checking him out, you know, because that's what we do. We check out everything new to come yeah. through that cottage. And Califani come walking through. He look at me. I'm trying to act like I'm not looking. I'm in my Jackie Collins, you feel me? <laughs> I'm watching him like, what this fool doing? Like, am I dirty? I'm like, what kind of drugs do I got on me? Is he going to catch me up? But he was checking me out. And he worked over there for a whole week. So my mom visited me faithfully in Whittier, catching the bus. So I'm at visiting that weekend after Califani came. He walks up to the table. My mama looks like, Ernest! Ernest! <laughs> Say, baby, is this boy mine? <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? Like, that was my boyfriend, Bird, that uh, I painted the floors with. That was the guy. Then I thought about everybody that was on Adam's cottage. That was like the grown cottage in Nellis. Because when I was there, the... um age thing didn't break up yet what happened when miss baker got killed in 96 yes why changed oh yes now that was there was two big incidents in nellis that i got involved in because like i said no fights in nellis everybody you talk to right here would be like but ernest was my daddy <laughs> he thought he was my daddy so he had knockout from raymond nutty from showline all the big clown from east coast like that's my son so i remember when first coming they was on my head like what happened when I was in the chow? Everybody dissing me, talking about once you get on the main line, homie. It's my first buster move. Hayes Cottage. 22 enemies. Like 12 rolling 60s, three Raymond Crips, an IVC. I'm like, I was scared. But I can't go tell Newman, the game coordinator, hey, you can't see me over here. I call my mama. Mama, call up here to Newman and tell him no matter what you do. I can't go over there. They're going to kill me. See, baby, you're going to have to lay your, you made your bed. You go, no, no, I don't want to hear that shit. Call up there. Tell them they got it. <laughs> baby, you know, if you go up there and show least manhood, they're going to get on your head. So if you got to go over there and fight every one of them, fight. you go over there and fight That's every right. one. Oh, man. That's right. She never called. She wanted me to learn like a man. But Newman come. He says, I was talking to somebody and I found out Bird had told him, don't send him over there because he knew through the politics. Like, them boys over there, you know, I don't want to have to get nothing started, but that's my son type thing. So he sent me where all the bloods was and made my path through Nellis easy. But what he did, unlike my mama, my mama would bend and break. He stayed firm. He came to me and he said, even though your mama say you ain't my son, show me a picture of your daddy. And I know that's your, your daddy because I look just like my daddy, just like my son look like me. And he said, I'm going to still take care of you, though. But you're going to have to do something for me. I need you to get a GED or a high school diploma. And I'll make a call and get you to fire camp. Fire camp? What's that? He's like, you can learn a skill, a trade for when you get out. Work ethic. Yeah. I'm like, what? How do I do that? He said, I'm going to talk to your mama. And we're going to have her sign this paper. He way on a whole different cottage. But yet, that was my mama protecting me and me not even knowing bird who was from Florence with my mama. And then she went on to help start the Carnales gang. And Bird went on to help found the Slauson boys, a baby click of the Slaussons. So now I get to Paso, went to fire camp. But first, I messed up. 
when I get to Paso to go to fire camp. Remember all I had to go through? I had to get a GED first and no level Bs. He said, you can get two or three level A's, man. He said, I know it get petty around here, but no level Bs. I did that. My first day, I'm on the bus next to Loco from Corona Thresse. Little wild dude. He's like, hey, homie, I got an ass full of fucking cocaine. I got a needle, some tattoo ink. He like was a little traveling case. He had every, I'm like, wow. And I became a follower. I'm coming here to go to fire camp. And I talked this dude in, cause I say I went from Crenshaw Mafia, but this dude, this whack 100 dude, that's the, like a producer or something like that. Yeah, when Peru? He pushed the line on me in KL. Oh, you, oh, you, you met he, him in there. Yeah, he okay. wouldn't let me be a money side hustler and roll with the bless. Even though he's from Bacoima. Yeah. And Lil B from Crenshaw Mafia, who, you know, my mama husband from Crenshaw Mafia, like, hold on. And whack is hard. Don't lie. I'm not saying he's not. You put them hands on me. I didn't see him lay it down. He's a, a total general. But Lil B from Crenshaw Mafia was on another level. And, you know, them dudes from Bacoima, they not just pot rules. They the pot root plus, the only one. So they're a very unique set and their loyalty is good. So he told Lil B, like, yeah, if he rode with y'all, he homie. So I'm like, that's all I gotta do. Um, some would call that my first buster move. But I'm from a crew. I'm always tell people, you know, that's my crew. They're my homeboy. So it wasn't like I was like, I'm gonna abandon my little hood. Right. No, but if Crenshaw Mafia gonna help me walk this line, which I thought for a long time until I found out about Bird. Right. So I go to Paso and Loco, start talking me in again, Crenshaw Mafia tatted on me with a staple. <laughs> I said, you ain't got no machine, man. He said, no, homie, look at this. He showed me something on his chest that uh, Speedy from Florence did on his chest with a staple. I'm like, that's how that come out? Get out on my leg. And if I like it, we'll do something on my face because I wanted to have a tattoo on my face because when I seen uh, Scrappy from Dogtown, and bad boy from XV3, like kid from Florence, like seeing them tattoos, like, oh, that's the kind of gangbanger I want to be. I want the whole world to know. Fight, fight, crib. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm with this. But I wasn't finna have him hit me in no staple in my face. So we try to leg. Dude next door from PJY supposed to keep through shot. Boom, boom, boom. What are y'all doing? Uh, through shot and fell asleep on us. <laughs> Me, I'm ready to give up. I'm here for fire camp, ma'am. I'm going to tell the truth. My people, Ernest Gray down there in, in, in Nellis, I messed up. Loco's finna set up shop. He putting the tap. What is you doing, bro? We picked him up from Nellis. I left from Jackson. He come from Nixon. Nixon, Jackson. I'm programming. This dude's on a lockdown program. Oh, man. And now, what I skip past kind of real quick but I want to go back and touch on it because I can go forever. It's so deep. But Miss Baker got killed. That's what sent me to Paso. Like, that's what even put transfer on the table. Because before Miss Baker got killed, you had homies in Nellis that still right now not home. That was there with me. And was there 10 years before me then. Because you had lifers. Yeah. And they didn't not only get rid of the lifers, they got rid of the M number. They shipped everybody out. Huh? They the joint. shipped. And what that did is, is you had, I want to say, like, let's just make it easy. If you had 100 people in YTS, like 70 of them left. Wow. So you got to replace these 70. So Paso, Preston, Chad, it, it did a total shift in Y. 
but let's try to go fast so we can get as much as we can get in. Bam, Paso. Crazy kind of case. He went to the pen for that. He set up shop, put the mattress on the day, had to fog us out. Then he hit the lady. The, uh, <laughs> he went crazy. Loco was a fool. He went to the pen. I went to what they call the gang unit, the Pomo. So um, my mom's was disappointed. Bird was disappointed. So I went there and I programmed my ass off. I had a counselor dude that used to be the uh, Conan at Universal Studios. And I say that because it comes back. So got back to fire camp. Uh, my first day in fire camp, I try to bag up this case. A case is somebody that we consider like the, the Southsiders and the North they call their busters, Leva. Leva yeah. We call our busters cases. So this case dude from Inglewood family, no, he ain't from Inglewood family. He tried to claim Inglewood family. Me being stupid still, I'm on my way to fire camp. They tell me, pack your bag up. You're going to Los Robles where you can chill, make marshmallows on the fire. You feel me? And I'm trying to go bag a case up. That's Nellis, the mentality trying to like, I'm not going to lie. I seen an easy way to power going to other institutions because of the fear from that. They like, oh, he's in, they didn't know I had bird there and I ain't fight a thousand people. <laughs> so I try to feed off that reputation when I got to Paso because the Vatos up there was like, swole. I thought Batman and Speedy from 12th Street was like big. Then I got up there like yeah, shotgun the and these dudes oh. like these <laughs> fools is big. So the intimidation made me put a little extra on my acting. Like, yeah, I'm a hard crush on my You feel me? So getting to fire camp, I go as I'm walking, and my daddy hit me. Like, you know you fucking up. What you doing? Soon as I get there, I'm like, hey, I accidentally, because what I got from it was some shoes and a walkman. I had my homeboy's shoes at visiting. And his Walkman. Could you make sure he get back to Napomo to Mike Jones? That ain't his real now. I don't want to put the mark out there. <laughs> Very bad for now. That's him. So um, before he could even report it, he didn't even know nothing had happened. I let them know. So I'm walking past Napomo. This is how God is crazy. He don't let me mess up because I always have to accept responsibilities for my mess up. I'm walking. We're going to go get the laundry. It's like basketball. We're the rookies. Y'all go pick up the laundry. You got to walk about a mile just to go. Because right. we're on our own facility in Paso Fire Camp. We're walking by Napomo, and they're coming out for lineup for school. He see me. He's coming out. He's going to prove himself on me because he know me. And I'm not going to lie. I picked on this dude because I was in the halls with him and befriended him when he was claiming like the same thing we was claiming. He was a homie. So... When he got up there and was no good no more, I went even harder on him. So he knows me and knows fire camp has been my goal. I'm going to be a fireman when I get out. He's trying to pay. figure off. Fuck you, did, homies. Hmm. I keep walking. I'm like, fuck. Let's get it. Black from Atlantic Drive, Compton Crib, wherever you at, homie, and Goofy from West Coast, 80s. Grab me. Bro, you just went through with the Walkman situation. You just told me this. Don't let him get you, homie. You're going to get paid every day. We're going to fight fires, man. You could even run away if you want to out there. Oh, yeah, man. I ain't tripping. Reject. <laughs> I didn't believe in the reject thing. Right. You feel me? But I still was legit because I rejected him. He was supposed to rush me. He came, tried to spit. I just kept it pushing. But now the homies is mad. It's seven Crenshaw Mafias up there. 
Blood, you let this nigga just the homies, you feel me? Why you even? But I explained the situation, bro. I'm losing my mind. You feel me? I've been in jail three years now. I'm getting ready to go home. I'm in fire camp. I'm all right. I got a pass. No DP, no nothing. I learned. So five months in the fire camp, I get a time cut. So they tell him, oh, you're going to come home earlier. So I didn't pay no attention to that out of nowhere. Like, I've never seen my whole tenure at that time, anybody where they call you and get a time. Because you go to your annual review, which is your yearly hearing, right. to see your behavior. And then they'll dictate, oh, you got a good time. They just came like, you got it. I thought it was something with fire camp. Right. But at 17, I'm still sharp. So I'm asking like the, the older kids, the 24-year-olds, 20. Dude, do you ever heard of this, man? Good time? They talking, they're going to let me out early now. They had a specific time. So I said, okay, I'll go with it. They're going to let me go. So that specific time came like seven months earlier than I should have been released. And I'm like, I still got stuff that, that the thing with uh, the Corona thing with the tattoo. I had a level B for that. Right. So I'm like, oh, it don't seem right. So I call moms like it's going down because don't nobody not get parole from fire camp. Right. So we know I'm coming home. Party set, all that. Mom on her way to come get me. I went in there. Mundu, Mr. Carter. Hey, <laughs> thank you for your service and all that you have done. Enjoy your freedom. You're parole. That was your board hearing. Yeah, like parole. Like, this is how fire camp do it. He laughing. He didn't even ask you no question or nothing. But I seen something in his eye. And he spoke on this years later. Right. Seen something in his eye. Like, one of those, like, right, don't right. get pumped. Because as soon as I went out the door, there go the police. How's it going, Frank Lewis? Yeah, that's me. I'm thinking this is the guy with my parole plan. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I'm going home. He's like, you want something about the vending machine? Vending machine? But I'm in fire camp, though, so we right. spoiled already. I'm like, no, just give me a Dr. Pepper. I'm trying to go home. I swear. He says, uh, I got some guys here that want to talk to you. He opens the conference room. It's like everybody here sitting at the table with files. There's an FBI dude, oh, ATF dude. Shit. So I'm like, instantly, what do I do? Hollywood comes to my mind. I'm like, they here for that lady. I was like, I never complained or cried to my mama about any of the gang members I did damage to, but I had to cry about what I did to this lady. So she knew. And she told me, baby, I, like, I want to turn myself in then. I'm like, what if it come back? She's like, baby, if God wants you to get cracked on that, he going to allow that to happen. And it came. So this is where the situation get complicated. And not to explain myself or justify myself, because if I want to snitch on a homie, I would have snitched on a homie. And we keep it like this. Let's look at the real facts of the situation. I was in Hawaii. I'm 17, so the most y'all going to give me is 25. Because yeah. I knew you couldn't try me as a dope. At 14, because Sneaks from 20 Bloods was the first 14-year-old tried as an adult. So I learned that real quick. Like, oh, I was 15. Had to be 16 to be tried. So I knew there was nothing that they can get on me. But while I'm sitting at this table with all these people, they did the first 48 on me. And I fell for it. I'm not going to uh, uh, get on here and try to say I was almighty at 17. I knew their game. But I thought that the homie snitched on me. How they know about it? It was just me and him. We didn't think about, I didn't think about the party I went to, all the homies I'm bragging about, but I fell for it. So, okay. Now, I was hurt, disappointed, but I was like in a gang member way, 
not in a little kid way. A little kid way would have been like, okay, well, when we just was out July the 4th, this and this and this happened. Because that's their big thing they was wanted to really know about even more than her getting killed, shot, because she wasn't dead. There was a person killed with the same gun a week before this on July 4th, blocks away from here. And you shot somebody with this same gun. And you're saying you have no clue of what happened here. Yes, sir. So I'm sitting there for a minute. Like if I could have like the first 40, I wanted a cigarette and something to drink. But it took me about five minutes to just say, yo, it was me. I told my mama, like I told him, like I told you, right. I told my mama when this time come. And it, it, it'll say in the testimony, I testified to my responsibility. That's where a lot of homies that be ignorant, like blood your name in paperwork. I testified to my responsibility. Now, still, I'm going to be 100 percent honest. I've disciplined a homie for participating in similar activities. Because in the blood court, we got a rule getting on the stand is a violation. Whatever your uh, 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 morals are, because like the snitch that I hate the most is the snitch that go out and put it down and get caught and snitch on a homie that really was trying to talk him down. I hate that. Then you got the snitch who really was like the other homie. He tried to talk him down and he really got him caught up. I sympathize. But you're from the hood, homie. This is what happens. You get caught up. You do your time. What, what was the look on their faces after that five-minute mark and you confessed to it pretty much? Said, yeah, that was me. Did they look at each other? They, what, what did they say? What was, the, what was the feel of the room at that time? The dude, um, I'm going to try to remember his name, uh, the officer. It was two officers that was really focused on me because their case was, that was their case, right. Lisa LaPierre. It was Ron O'Kay and another dude who worked um, finish show line. He was their crash dude. So like, he was like the gang expert helping Ron okay. And, um, he asked everybody could who put me to the side and he took me to another room and he says, like, he said, he seen Tupac dead body. You feel me? Like he like put it on thick. Like I've been doing this for years and I've never seen no one do that. He says, you keep that up and you won't go to prison. He says, most of these punks you here with, they're going to be dead and in prison. But if you keep that up, you will go far. So I'm like, I'm really not hearing him though. So I go back. They tell me, um, yeah, we knew you were coming home. So yeah. we got you this date exactly to keep charges able to be filed. It set you up. I'm like, is that right? So my mind is, did the homie really tell on me? Because they got me in there so long trying to find out who killed Thurman Brown. Right. They're like, the gun, this doesn't happen. There's no way you do not know this. I'm like, man, I found the gun. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, they caught me in a lot of stupid little lies. But the fact is that I could have told, like, the homie did this, the homie did that, the homie did this. That would have been a hurt little kid. I kept telling myself in my mind, you a gangbanger. And even if he did tell on you, you should have knew better and not been with him. So I didn't tell but then at the same time, I'm like, what if he didn't? So I'm like, so what if I do tell y'all who killed Thurman Brown? They say, um, what are you saying? Like, I can go home right now. I'll tell y'all who killed Thurman Brown. They tried. Of course we can. <laughs> so y'all go forgive me for shooting this lady. 
Kay was good. He said, man, you done time served already. He's lying. I said, brother, you think you real slick. I'm really talking to them like this, though. I'm keeping it a honey with you because I'm really ahead of the game. I'm thinking I'm getting them. They kind of got me, though, because I ended up doing 10 years. (laughs) I I swear. So um, he says, okay, we'll see about that. I didn't tell. Went to court. Got my time. I go back. I see you out. Um, not really, which what I would have thought could have been maxed out. All my Wyatt babies that really been a Wyatt, y'all going to understand this. Ramundo. That's like Trump. She's the worst board member. Every <laughs> Miss Ramundo. I cussed her out. <laughs> I didn't have to face Miss Ramundo. I was a level two, was, uh, category two, three. Yeah. My first hearing for my time for shooting this lady, I was in front of Miss Ramundo. Uh-huh. Judge Dorn, I faced some of the hardest time givers. Like I said, Judge Dorn has sent people to prison for life, kids, 14-year-olds. He sent the first dude, tried as an adult, 14-year-old away. Miss Ramundo was nice. She says, yeah, I think we're going to start you off considering... She says, my other counterparts want to go ahead and give you four years, which is really what you do for attempted murder. Yeah, in, that, in those days. But I want to consider the three years you've done. And the fact that we have a letter here from a crash officer, whatever his name was. And he said that you didn't hesitate to accept responsibility. So I told her, well, yeah, I was in fire camp. You know, you running your yeah, you game. Running game, running game. So she's like, well, if you can prove to me, because she says I'm the chairman of the full board. Mm-hmm. And she says, you're probably going to see me every year. And I know you know who I am. <laughs> and the way she was looking, it was no smile, though. Yeah. It was a very stern look. But I was like, okay. I really wasn't paying attention because now I'm looked at differently by the other wards. Because when I was able to sneak through, especially being with Bird there, it was different. Now I went from Paso and wasn't no going back to fire camp. So I went, they took me to, uh, it took, they took me straight to the box. I went back from when they arrested me, went back, they let me bust a spread. One last spread with the homies. I swear they did not hesitate to come get my ass, put me in a hole. Five months. I stayed in the box. They came back like, well, the DA is having problems with the case. What they believed is that my older homies was trying to get me to take the case. Like he took it too quick. Oh, okay. So now I'm sitting here waiting for the DA to decide if I really did this crime or not. Did this 14-year-old child do this? And the guy that we're looking at for it is looking at in five murders, shooting yeah, at the he, police. He's sitting on death row right now. Yeah, yeah. He was a beast, allegedly. But eventually they was like, we can't keep him. I'm writing grievances. Wrote the superintendent. I wrote the inspector general. I, my mama was calling everybody. Why is he in the hole? He was just a level three, a phase three fire camp ward paroled. Right. And y'all don't have no case. And he hasn't been The DA ain't even anything. picked up the case. Right. What yeah. are y'all doing? That's illegal. Now that I'm finna be a lawyer, I yeah. understand that I was railroaded while they talked her into it. What they went and did is found the snitch. That would testify that I did it. So... Um, I'm doing my time about two years later. Was I in Paso still? Nah, I already messed up. Got kicked out of Paso. I was in TS now. 
I hit YTS in 97. 98. I hit YTS in, in January 98. Um, I had a roommate in YTS that left a four yard in Pelican Bay. So he, I'm in YTS. I've never been to prison. My proudest accomplishment. I broke that recidivism rate. But this dude was in the hardest prison. And he was my celly on Y and Z. And I say that to say that this YA was corrupted. YTS? <sighs> YTS is a monster. Now, keep in mind, the police, the peace enforcement people stick together. And their biggest thing was to honor Miss Baker by torturing us. Shit. So about September, I made it off the orientation unit and hit my unit. The police like, you got to visit. It's Detective K and that essay dude from the Culver City Gang Task Force. And he says, um, Nelson's on trial. He was wondering, would you like to testify? So now my game is being a TS for that little bit of time with homies that was just here with multiple life sentence homies. I'm on it now, so I'm Johnny Cochran in my mind. So I'm going to go find out who told on me because I don't believe the homie told on me because the July 4th incident wasn't brought up. Like, it's things like I woke up. So I said, yes, I will tell you who killed Thurman Brown if you allow me to go. And to this day, that case is unsolved. So they say, okay, okay, you, can, can you write that down? Who did it? Okay, you really think I would tell you who did that? I want to go to Ventura. I want a hamburger. I made some demands. And I want to go to court and be part of this process. Y'all really want to know who killed Thurman Brown like that, man. I've been here all this time. YTS, these people mean, they big. And he's like, okay, we got to talk to Danette Myers, the district attorney, and see. Well, y'all see that. And then we'll think about giving a name. So this is where I messed up the first time. They almost messed up everything. I gave him a homie that was resting and not thinking he was in jail. I should have known, too, because I was with him when he got busted. But just trying to be manipulative and little kids not really knowing everything. But we think we know everything. So I'm like, yeah, sleep did that. He did now, though, but it was him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, come on, buddy. That's the, I learned that's what every gang member does. Right, right. So, like, um, she came and she was like, you really want to get to Ventura? You really want to do this? Wow, wow, wow. All right, man. I can't tell y'all, though, until I get to court. She says, why? I said, I tell y'all now, I'm in TS. They're going to kill me. I'm scared. So, I don't want to go to, if you give me Ventura right now, I'll tell you, I already had another homie in mind. I had a homie that was in there that was willing. He just was so stuck. The homie country from family. He just wanted to be that famous. Like, blood. tell him I did it. Oh, I swear. He oh, wanted to be in the newspaper. Shit. He was like, I'll take that case. So I've had him as my stool dummy. So she was like, let me see what I could do. They couldn't do no transfer, though. She's like, we're not able to do that. But she was like, you should just out of the kindness. Oh, I don't know. That's snitching. We die for that. And I'm in the worst place in the world to be. Everybody find out everything here. So um, they come back like a couple months later. Like we talked to the superintendent and they said that they're able to give you this. So I told him, um, it's my, my cellmate, country. He did it. They was like, did you see him do it? I was like, ah, this is why I didn't tell y'all. Because I really didn't know. I wasn't there that night. But he from Inglewood. I'm from Inglewood. He be hanging with my homies. They're looking like, we've never heard of this guy. That shit didn't work. So they was talking about now giving me charges. 
And I've worked my way all the way. You know, a death penalty trial go for years. Oh, yeah, for sure. Who's at my annual review hearing next to Ramundo? Detective K. Miss Ramundo, we have a homicide, death row case, woo 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 and we need him to testify. Weirdest condition of parole when I'm not on parole ever. I would guess it was, it was called order of the board to testify. What the fuck? I went to straight to my grievance clerk, who was uh, my boy, uh, boxer out of homie, homie, can they force me to testify? He's like, hey, homie, you know what, eh? If they could subpoena you to testify, homie, I'm pretty sure the board has that power. I don't know about that. Let me go talk to my parole agent, Don Watson. I trusted her. Her and my mom was real tight. Talked to Don. She said, technically, that's uh, you have the constitutional right to plead the fifth. So that would go against a federal law, being that that's a state board. No, I, you wouldn't have to follow that order. But hmm? if you were to testify, I could write that in your board report, like in your favor. I say, so you saying if I go to court and tell him who killed this man, I can go down. I, I, like, I can get out earlier. She says, yeah. Okay. I'll tell y'all. Say, when are you going to say it? I told her it was me. And I don't want to go down for this. How do I get around it? She was like, I wouldn't even suggest you even play with that. If you know who did it, I suggest you say who did it. I'm like, damn. I can't do it. I can't do it. So, because in reality, they couldn't give you any more time, even if it no, was you, because no. you get maxed out. Yeah. yeah you get so I'm like, up. yeah, it's say it's me, take the rap, and let me the fuck out of here. You got to solve murder. But now people start pushing up on me. Hey, homie, what the police coming talking to you for? Yeah, of course. This is what's going on. Y'all know how high profile my case is. So they flew with that. Like, okay, okay, that's cool. So they come back with an order from the superintendent saying that if I testified, I would get transferred to Ventura. But what they didn't put in there and where I won finally is that I had to testify right now. I, I, no, it says testify. They are pressing me to tell them who did it. Miss Watson gave me that clause. She said, here, she was like my lawyer. Why? Like it says testify and y'all agreed and signed this. He will go testify and at that time tell you who did it. Right. Got him. Go ahead. So now, of course, you know, my, my, my homie got a lawyer. The lawyer's up on this. His lawyer comes see me. Totally unethical. Totally. Your boy wants to let you know this. You do this, this and that, and that. Say this and that. Now your mom's going to be took care of. Hey, Miles was kind of doing bad at the time. I'm like, it's only right because it's homies really snitching on him. I didn't know. I'm in YA, but it's a list of homies telling. So I say, okay, let me see what happens when I go to this court because I don't know how long I can hold on not saying we know about this. Like, all right, all right. So um, 
He said he would do a call me down, like to do a, a discovery. They have to have all the evidence. Right. I'm evidence. You feel me? So he's like, I can call you down and do this and that and that. Now, other things happen that I can't talk about between those transactions, but the matter of the fact is that he wanted me to pretty much say that the district attorney was trying to coerce me. So, like, I don't know what that meant. So the lawyer let me know, like, if she says you should say this or suggest this or changes your story in any way. So I was like, all I got to do is tell you that. So I became what probably none of y'all ever heard of, an undercover snitch. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I was working the prosecution by going. That's why you'll see in my transcript testimony where everybody else is like, yeah, he did this and you could find him here and this is where the gun was. I was like, yeah, I shot this woman. He gave me the gun. That was, even though that's dirty, but there was only so much without me getting on that stand before they asked the bomb. Well, who shot Thurman Brown? Ventura, my name. I have no idea. I just can't because they told me they're going to let me go to Ventura. Give me a cheeseburger. Oh, I've been in jail five, six years. I went to see my homies. I, it was my gun. <laughs> I said, objection, your honor. Could really be treated as a hostile witness? Okay. Now... When that testimony was going on, I was treated kind of like a confidential witness. So my homie wasn't there. He didn't, it wasn't like I was acting in front of the homie. That's my gangster. I'm not finna tell for y'all. I played y'all. I got my damn In-N-Out burger for the first time. But they was mad. And they played dirty. That's the LA Times. I'm in YTS. Do you know every gang class, gang corner, that it was passed like it was like being delivered to kids. We come look for the love is every day. And there's my face. Testify. What? But they know me. This dude, there's certain dudes in there. We didn't did things like, well, you can turn me in right now. And I didn't feel comfortable exploiting my story. I was like, the more people you tell then, because my whole thing was to act like I was being coerced. But when I finally got to that point, I didn't have to act. What the homie and his lawyer was unethically asking me to do, it was being done. Being done. She said, she asked me what happened. And like I just told y'all the real story. Yeah. I told her, because I'm not snitching. Yeah, I shot the lady. You feel an accident. Well, we need you to say that he like forced you. you do you still talk to this gentleman? It's, you know, he on the road. It's, right. it's kind of hard. But um, this is the reason why. I, I fell off with my story because I ended up trying to help him and he called me a rat. So like my first day out, I went to and Tiffany, his cousin, to tell you because I went to her. Now, see what I didn't know at this time. Now, I know the homie I was with was a snitch. I didn't know. So he taking me. I'm fresh out on parole in Compton on Pyro and Largo Street after 10 and a half years. Like, let's get the homie out. He wanted to snitch it. <laughs> like, get the homie out. I'm like, man, you don't know who was snitching. I seen him there, him there. Not knowing this dude sent his wife to go do it for him. So I'm like exposing too much. So we pull up. He's like, let me go holler at her first. Because, you know, I think they kind of tripping. 
That's on Jesus. I just thought about this right now. Wow. I thought then that the homie told her he was snitching. I was snitching. Now I think about it. That's what he went in there for 30. What are you talking for so long? He must have told her I was snitching. Because she came out. You snitching on my cousin? Like she just found out. It's, oh, man. That's why I stopped talking to him. You going to tell her I'm snitching? He knew that. It's time to reach out. But that dude's got time too now. This niche that tried his hardest to get out of that. But like my mama say, I need to leave it alone and let God so do what he do. After you got out, you started changing. Well, it took you a little while, but you started changing your ways. What did you do to start changing your ways and how did you get about doing that? I parole with my pastor. I met a pastor, Sandy Armstrong, Pastor Am Sandman. And faith, understanding that we're all the same. I think most people right now, like back then, the influence and the motivation to gangbang and kill each other was real, really based on the hate and the ideology that we didn't understand. Where now it is, and like Alex Alonzo, I'm going to give you the answer because on your show, he couldn't answer this. But the BPSs and the 18s beef. Florence is in 13. He really considers Florence, where my mama laid grounds over there, a harder beef. But he says, if they can do it, everybody else can do it, which I disagree. My mama and them grew up with the East Coasts. Hey, they like this. When Wise Vadio Grape declared war on Florence, East Coast was on their side. That's why Grape Street, East Coast don't get along kind of like because of that. 18th Street everywhere. Salvador, West Covina, Rancho. So there's no tie. They hate bloods. They hate some Crips. They hate some blacks. It's a different kind of beef. Their beef is more power and money related, whereas La Francia and East Coast was more, my brother hurt my feelings and disrespected me. So we got to let each other know. Two warriors had to put it down and be like, hey, homie, it's enough. And... That's got to be respected. And that's why I believe, like, I agree with Alex that if they do can overcome that, but there's more love there. Most of the other beefs are like Longo and Long Beach. Them dudes don't know each other. They're really on skin color. I would think that would be in Pomona and what he was talking about, the family bombing and how in Boyle Heights, how that went down. I think those were racial. Like, and... The racism, like when we grew up in Nellis, we wasn't doing what we was doing off of racism. It was more off of people that, like, the Rasa felt they were bullied, taken advantage of. And like you say, we became the victor now. But you, Do you agree with me on that? Because that's what I say. People, well, when, when you hear the brown and black, they always hear the, the, the fire bombing, the this and that. But that was just a reaction of us getting pushed on and eventually we became the predator. I totally agree with you. And at the same time, I feel that that's our biggest boundary. That's what's, it's we doing, we counting blow for blow. Yes. And it's like, there's been times, like I remember a, a Cholo from DSA Ultra tried to take my bike and spiking it from Inglewood Thresse. This is like, they didn't even get along. And Cholo's like big homie, straight from the pink, the 18. 
these little young eight Inglewood 13s, because they knew my mama. Like, hey, homie, hey, Southsiders. Like, food, party, come on. It's love. But when you start robbing people, taking advantage of people, that, that upsets me when my folks don't want to take accountability. Because like I was telling my mama today, we bumped heads. She tried to jump out the car on me and didn't come. Oh, come on, mama, you rolling. You have to take accountability for your mistakes before you can grow. Biscuit from Fody Crip told me that when he was leaving YA as a 25-year-old and I was 18. And that always stuck to me, like, take accountability. And only real reason why when they came for the lady shooting is because I promised my mama. I didn't want to tell them I did that. But they didn't understand that. So coming home, remembering all those lessons, all of that pain, and my pastor Sandy Armstrong, they helped me, how could I say, when... The first night I got out and slept with my sister's girlfriend, who my mom said was girlfriend and didn't explain to me what that girlfriend meant. And my sister hit me with a phone and I flipped out my first night out. Moms had to drag me off my sister. And it sent me straight to the hood. Straight to the hood. And with a gun. Now, I'm going, I want a lie detector test one day because I know how unbelievable it is. I haven't shot a gun since I came home. I promised the lady in the wheelchair when she uh, uh, requested I be paroled after so many times saying she don't want me to go home. I promised her I will never shoot a gun unless it's to protect my family or if I'm able to be a police officer again, it's to protect the life of somebody else. I, I want to I show you something and I want to ask you, what do you feel when you see that, Frank? Wow. See that little lady over there? There's something deeper than that. I have a video that she shared with me when she came aboard. And it's her, what she had to go through in the hospital. Me watching that video, right now I could watch that video and cry. Right now, though, for the first time, I feel like she's smiling. Like this is really, she gets to hear it because I've been, like I say, I've been trying my hardest. Kev Mack, Alonzo. My voice needs to get in our community because there's so many homies that's stuck because they don't want to give up being a homie, but don't understand you don't got to kill. You don't even have to commit crimes to be a homie. You just got to be loyal. You could be the person that goes to work and make sure that another homie that don't got a place to stay got somewhere. Put some in the kitty. You don't have to be killing. And eventually, like, I'm sure they're going to come after me like they did with the peace treaty with the Florences. In the East Coast, they got Doc Thune. Like, the person who orchestrated that, they didn't, He's they trying to put him under the prison. Yeah, they did. So that type of stuff at one point scared me. And I was like, I'm going to write this book, and I'm going to, my mama wrote Florencia 13 on the side. Like, all the documentaries that you see on Florence, that's there. This woman right here. And... One day, you see how I got on blue? Yeah. I'm doing this with my first kids, my twins. They got their little, you know how you do your doctor test, the ultrasound? Yeah. We're on Florence, getting off the Florence train. I'm just like this. I did have a long red belt almost to my shoes, though. But all this cat seeing from behind me is blue. I felt the pistol on my chest. He like, keep walking, puto. What the fuck? He's like, fuck, fuck crap, homie. Keep walking. He's trying to get me into a bathroom so he can pop me off the camera. I'm like, blood, I ain't no crap. 
He's like, oh, homie. I'm like, Dino, Speedy. I named every floor. Like, My mama did that over there. Oh, he looked. Kid. Oh, money was so full. We end up in Brayson. I was in white with this fool. Tell my baby, I'm finna have twins, dog. Like, man, I'm finna kill you, fool. You want even see your twins, homie? Man, why, babies? Yeah. And I'm gone. But I've done that in the 60s. Like, I got into it with my first wife when I was married. We was on the bus. I had a red hat on, on Crenshaw and Slauson. She wants to take the Slauson bus. Well, we don't have to go all the way down there to blood territory and go all the way around. If we get off here, I'm a blood and I got a red hat on. Well, just take the hat off. That pride, that ego then at, at 26. Not taking this hat off. She got off the bus, so like a buster, I stayed on for a couple of exits, which ended up getting me on Hyde Park deeper in a hood and felt like a buster and jumped off and walked all the way back. So I'm sitting there. I see the looks like I'm like, I'm not taking this hat off. And this is the most notorious hood on that side of town, the rolling 60s. So I'm at the bus stop on Hyde Park and Crenshaw. I'm thinking my homie spider that got killed here. All the homies and the enemies that got killed right here on this corner. And then Keter Rock from 60s. Shout out to Keter Rock. Little homie, I just left this dude in the county jail for a traffic ticket. Shit. What you doing? He sat there on that bus with me until that bus came and got me back to Inglewood. Oh. I can't see another brother, a Latino. Like we, and I don't want us to be strong to where we could take over the world negatively. We need to teach our little children, like Freedom Justice King, that you can be lawyers. You can be doctors, healers. We can actually figure out a way because everybody says if all the criminals stop committing crime, then what they're going to do, we can make this a business, start selling the T-shirts, doing YouTube and, and putting a knowledge to this so that it never happens again. There are so many positive things that we can do amongst all of this negativity. I look at Raymond Washington at 19 years old, went to some dudes he looked up to, like I did AC Green. And they shot him down. You can't be no avenue, little guy. And he went and started the Crips at 19. 40 some years later to this day. And I want to offer this to you as, as for the Southsiders and some of the Rasa that have been victimized. That we want to, um, I look at it like this. If it weren't for the bullies, the bloods wouldn't have existed. It wouldn't be that strength that we have. Same with you guys. I say that that built that Azteca warrior mentality, you know, Puro, Sue, Thresse, that come from that. And we got to be grateful because we just activists, y'all. And it's that strength that we demonstrate to where everybody be like, them bloods, cool. It come from the Crips. And if we could all realize all together, we respect y'all, but we ain't scared of y'all no more. So let's get this money together. That's right. That's right. So let's start wrapping this bad boy up here, Frank. What you've been working on, what you're going to work on, where can people find your book, homeboy? Okay, the book, you can go to um, Google. Everyone loves Google. Frank, F-R-A-N-K, Antoine, A-N-T-O-I-N-E, Lewis, L-E-W-I-S. You put that in the search engine, it's going to pop up, though. When you get to L-E-W, it's going to pop up. You hit that and you'll have options. You got Barnes and Noble, Amazon. I'm trying to shoot everybody to Walmart, but I sold them out 1,500 books. That's so that means that I'm going to pretty much get in the store. I told them if I do this in a year, could I get my books on your shelves? 
because you guys support me right now. I went to a job interview. I'm doing hard work right now and uh, for DHL, dock worker, um, which is hard on the back. But I went to a job interview at the juvenile hall. So I'm waiting to hear from them. But I got a warrant right now, though. So I think that's what messing me up. Allegedly, allegedly. Uh, no, no, I got one. I've been set up. I've been stopped by the police. I tell them right off the bat, sir, I got a warrant. My baby mama, mama crazy. And they understand because I keep all my paperwork with right. me. But um, right now I'm working on clearing that warrant. And believe it or not, suing, suing the state of Nevada. I've got my record here in lawsuits. I got my mama $2,000 before. Like, I'm a lawyer. I've made so much money holding people accountable for their wrongs. Landlord, tenant law, and especially with the momentorium being up, I'm trying to get my paralegal, like little certificate right now so I can legally help people file answers and summons. And somebody I went to college with, she just passed the bar and she's a lender. She's doing um, immigration law. So I want to have a tenant immigration, social security, the factors that are in the hood that keep us struggling. I want lawyers to help everybody. So I want to use some of the funds from the book to help launch this. That's pretty much what the kids are. So that's what it is. You guys go ahead and check out the book, uh, The Journey of Frank Antoine Lewis. You can also find it on Amazon, Mr. Booboo Bear. You can hit our intro out, people. I want to thank all you guys for tapping in. It's a uh, Saturday. You guys can be anywhere else, but you guys are here. Hearing this incredible story from, man, from a pretty bad journey to making something positive out of it, taking care of your kid and, and being that family man. Inglewood. So, yeah, so <laughs> in, from Inglewood to Hollywood.